What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. And this episode, we have, well, we have Beth Morgan, who's a costume designer and has worked on such things as The Help, Deadwood, Last Man on Earth, and we're going to be discussing the show Glow with her. So if you haven't seen the show Glow, you have to check it out. It's just a fantastic show. Now, before we get into this, I'd like to thank Carly McKeating for cutting this episode. But with all that said, let's get into my interview with Beth Morgan. My first question for you is, what is it about Bob Mackey's designs that attracts you and excites you? Because I found that when I was researching, you really liked his work. Yes, I love his work. I think he is a uh, like a true innovator and risk taker. Like if you look what he has done with Cher over the years and on the Carol Burnett show, like he really kind of takes risks that have always paid off, like the curtain dress on for Carol Burnett and like Cher, any kind of performance outfit that Cher wore. Like he's, you know, I feel like takes his aesthetic to the next step and like isn't afraid of um, like more is more. So for me, I love that. Like, I always like love to mix patterns and add embellishments and things. Like, and I feel like he's kind of the master of that. So it's like, you know, it's like eye candy. Interesting. Now, I'm wondering if you can tell me how you got involved with the show Glow. Yeah. So um, I had heard about the show through a friend who is friends with Liz, who's one of the creators. And so I got to read the script and go in and have a meeting with them. And, and once I read the script, I like really felt like I had to do the show. It was such a powerful pilot script and the way that it's centered on all these females and a ton of different body types and characters and diversity. Like there were so many things that appealed to me as far as being able to dress many different body types and show different stories and backstories. So yeah, I went in and had a great meeting with them about what, how I would design the show and what, what I felt like would help the look of it. And the rest is history, as they say. Now, I wonder if you can, I guess, help me with, because, like, I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. And I look back at my photos, and I'm not a fan of what I was dressed like, (laughs) as I'm sure many people sort of look back. So what is it about the 80s that you would say is really good or really well-designed clothing-wise? Well, you know, things were of really good quality still. You know, it was before this kind of so-called disposable fashion, like, there was no Forever 21. There wasn't a bunch of inexpensive options. So people really took care of their stuff and repeated it and wore it a lot and kept it through the years. So I think people took more thought in the way they purchased things and the quality. Like I said, you know, things, a lot of things were still manufactured here in the States. And there's a lot of natural fibers still being used, less polyester from the 70s and reintroducing some natural fibers again. So just quality wise, things have held up over the years. So that's an interesting attribute of of the 80s. And then for me, like there are within the crazy silhouette, there is a simplicity to some of the looks of like the oversized shirts, the pleated shorts. So you could kind of get a well-defined 80s look without being super over the top. I mean, obviously we get into the shoulder pads and like, you know, the fringe of any time period obviously is like more extreme, but like for kind of working class, with like our girls are like working class everyday girls like you do kind of see these classic silhouettes well what's interesting though is whenever i think of eras and clothing i almost feel like people build a stereotype of what it was like back then sure sure 
So what I found fascinating about this is it felt like we were looking at people in the 80s, you know, as opposed to here's a stereotype of what an 80s person dressed like. So what did you do to get that look? Yeah, we worked really hard to, you know, keep it grounded because, you know, all time periods, like I said, have this fringe of like crazy, but 80s in particular, like the neons and the huge shoulder pads and like the, the crazy hair and the socks with high heels. But you know, we're earlier 80s, we're like 85, 84, 85. So, you know, late 80s is when all these neons really came into fashion. So luckily, with time period being accurate to that, we could keep it more in the pastels and kind of earth zones. But, you know, most of my research was like my family photos, family photos from the crew, JC Penney's magazine. So like this really kind of homegrown working class look as opposed to high fashion. You know, for Debbie and for Melrose a little bit, like we did go to that but you know we're looking at pictures of actors in LA at events you know it's before like the red carpet was the craziness that it is today it was a lot of everyday wear so we wanted it to feel functional and not like a statement in itself we didn't want the clothes to make a comment before the actors talk I mean we do have some of that look too in Don and Stacey but like there are those girls that worked at the mall that have the big hair that like we all remember from high school that like smoked too many cigarettes and, like, had Aquanet in their purse. <laughs> like, even though it is flashy yeah. and they're colorful and they have all the animal prints and all that, it still does feel grounded in the fact that it's not, like, this American apparel version of 80s. You know, and we didn't fight against the stereotype. We just made it more of a wearable, true-to-life, not fashion magazine 80s. And how much for the wrestling, because this is based on Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling yes i've watched a lot of glow (laughs) did you enjoy it i do enjoy it and basically the only thing that i really feel like i kept true to that is the grittiness like the original glow is a very gritty show that these girls like did a lot of the work themselves and that's a simplified version so it's not like an over-the-top dance wear or music video look like it's a really simple leotard so that's what i took from that is like that we wanted to feel the grit of that and kind of the unrefined version of performance wear and like the body confidence that these women had that like it didn't matter their body type they were all in the same thing it's not like they if they were bigger or smaller they covered up more or showed more and the functionality really I mean like that's what had to go into a lot of the thought process behind the, you know, designing these clothes for performance. Like, you know, they all have to, to really be able to move. You had to take into account that they have to be done happy and be able to function in the real world of wrestling. It's the girls need to be able to grab onto each other and not have a slick fabric that they're not going to get any traction with. And it has to be able to move and breathe and not be too sweaty. I mean, like there's so many aspects that go into those wrestling looks because of the functionality of doing real moves. So how does the personal clothing choices of the characters reveal things about them in the show? Like, you know, I think of Debbie and how you've dressed her gives us a sense of who she is. So how do you approach coming up with that look for the various characters in the show? You know, a lot of conversations with the writers about her backstory. And, and, you know, you know, of course, you start with the script and there's so much good information in there to, to talk about what she's going through and, you know, reveal about her character and like talking to the the writers about the arc and where her character is going to go and what things will happen to her over the course of the season. And for Debbie, you know, there was a lot of that 
persona of looking perfect and thinking, you know, that her situation that she was in is what she was looking for and is like this perfect situation that she's gotten herself into when there's a falsehood to that and there's like perfected look on the street as armor so that she doesn't have to admit all the things that are going on in her personal life and that she can keep up this kind of lie or facade that she has the perfect life. You know, as a, a new mom, it's interesting when you look good and you leave the house, you do feel like you're pulling it off in a way that like if you're in sweatpants and you have no makeup on and your hair is up in a mess, but like maybe you don't feel like you're pulling it off in the same way. So like that was my experience. At least I remember like leaving with my kids early on and like, when I was dressed fully and like feeling really good in my look, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm doing this. This is all happening. I, I can make all this work. So I definitely took that real life experience and put it on with Debbie too. You know, we, we catch her in the first season in her house and she does look a mess. But whenever she leaves the house, she really always puts on her armor of like looking perfect. Well, it's interesting that you would say that. My wife and I have a one-year-old and what we do in the morning is I take our daughter for a bit and then my wife gets completely ready and then we switch and I get completely right so we can feel normal <laughs> I guess you could say yeah yeah it does it does something but it's definitely difficult it's difficult but like I feel like there's something about the self-confidence feeling more when you feel like you had a little time to yourself so like get looking good like as you said like you, you guys have figured out a way to make time for that for yourself so you get it but yeah it can be a challenge so we felt like it was important for her how did you tackle the difference in designing the clothes or designing the look for Alison Brie and her character Ruth versus Betty Gilpin and her character Debbie? I mean, Ruth's character is all about functionality. And the thing is, like, besides Debbie and, like, Melrose, nobody has any money of our cast. So you see a lot of the same clothes coming back and, you know, and repeating. And, like, especially after they move into the Glotel, like, they didn't know what the hell they were getting into. They brought two suitcases. Like, that's it. They share clothes. They wear the same thing. And so for Ruth, it's like she has one or two pairs of jeans that she wears all the time. She has one pair of shoes. Like she has, no, you know, even when they get a little bit of money for the show, it's like that's not what's important to her. I think it's enough that she looks professional, but she's not trying to make a statement with her clothes. She just is trying to be basically it's just a function of like having to wear clothes, really. She does in moments like for auditions, like for the, the first audition that we see her in that beautiful green Escada suit, like she got that, you know, and probably returned it to Neiman Marcus later that day. It was playing a role. So, like, that's the importance of, of clothes to her. And, like, you know, the leotard, she spent some money in season one on a pair of wrestling boots. Like, you notice in, like, episode three or four, she starts wearing those. Because, like, that's what she would spend her money on, something that she feels like will help, will help her hone the craft, as opposed to just being a statement, a fashion statement. And then one of the questions I had was with regards to Sheila the She-Wolf. How did you tackle coming up with her look because her look is both in the wrestling ring and outside of it. Yeah. So we had talked a lot about like that, that is more than just her outfit, her costume. It's like part of her and it's how she defines herself in the world. So one of the main things we did with that course, it is like, it's not finished really. Like it's like the front and the side. So it's all different like pieces of fur and things that she's picked up or knitted herself that she feels really connected to that she keeps on adding. So like through the season of season one, we'd add little pieces here and there, but we wanted it to feel like it was her protection. It's like her safety net, this look. We wanted it to feel like she had taken years to make it perfect. And that maybe she had tried different versions. So like, you know, 
well, that's why with the, all the different added pieces of the corset and like that she just has the one pair of jeans that she wears over and like how would she feel comfortable in a movement situation so she's like okay I could tear these stockings so that my legs are still covered with that too we wanted it all to feel really worn in and lived in and dirty like maybe she goes out at in the night and like she's dug through and like find some more things for her corset that's like her nails are always really dirty that kind of feeling and then how did you find your clothes like how much was made from scratch versus how much was uh you know gone out and purchased we, we made a lot of leotards <laughs> that's for sure we had a leotard count at one point for season one that was like a hundred and something it's crazy for the everyday clothes, it was like, you know, an amalgamation of all the things. We made probably like 20 or 30% of the real clothes. We found a lot at different rag houses and costume houses. We rented some. We, we had some online vendors that we would go to. You know, I'd buy on Etsy. You know, it was kind of all over because we have such a large cast of so many different ladies that you just kind of have to like send out to hunt and gather in the world and like hope for the best. So that was it. You know, we've just collected this nice stock of clothes for our background and thrift stores everywhere. I mean, it's just like really no stone unturned when looking for clothes. Wow. So I have one last question I like to ask everyone. Sure. Uh, I interview and that's what's your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? Oh, God, I have so many. My favorite guilty pleasure film, Cry Baby. Oh, okay. I don't know that that's a guilty pleasure, though, because it's like a fantastic film. For this one, for Glow, I watched a lot of girls just want to have fun and weird science. Like, I love any John Waters film. Oh, those are great. Yeah, but like, I don't want to say that's a guilty pleasure because it's like so good. I mean, I guess my guilty pleasure is I watched The Kardashians. That's a good one. I've watched it since the beginning. I find them fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Oh, thank you so much. I had a great time. I hope you have a fantastic day. Oh, thanks. You too. So that was my interview with Beth. I'd like to thank Beth for allowing me to interview her. I'd also like to thank Carly for cutting this episode. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.